Welcome to the Women in STEM podcast, your go-to destination for exhilarating journeys through the triumphs and challenges of extraordinary women, shaping the world in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I am your host, Kelly, and together we will explore the stories of visionary tech CEOs, groundbreaking scientists, and insightful recruiters, and many more women. Making this podcast a dynamic showcase of global talent. Join me as we unravel the stories behind their success, offering a first-hand account of their experiences and invaluable advice at every stage of their remarkable career. Get ready for a thrilling exploration of innovation, resilience and empowerment as we amplify the voices of trailblazing individuals breaking barriers and building a future where brilliance knows no boundaries. This is the Women in STEM podcast, where inspiration and knowledge collide to propel us forward towards limitless possibilities. Welcome to the Women in STEM podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure, Kelly. Thank you for having me here. My name is uh, Lauren uh, Sanchez-Gilbert, and I am the CEO of Bell Excel, which we uh, have our software company called Arly and a consulting firm called Sperling Center for Research and Innovation. And thank you for having me here. Yeah, I love to have women from all different types of backgrounds come on to this podcast. I was wondering if you could share with us a specific experience or challenges that you faced as a Hispanic leader in the tech space and how you overcame those challenges. Right. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about a, a, a study and that'll lead to that, that answer. So there's this really well-known study. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but it's, it's a fascinating read about how they tried to increase women in the orchestras here in the United States. And they, uh, they were wanting to add more people to the seats in the orchestra And they tried all kinds of strategies and it wasn't moving the needle whatsoever. So they then decided to uh, have a screen put in front of the women and had those that were on the panel just hear the music. And that increased uh, the number of women by a little bit, but it didn't move the margin by a lot. And so what they discovered was that when when the women would walk on the stage, they had heels on. And so the, the panel still knew they were women, even though they were behind the screen. So they asked the women to take their shoes off and they did this little bit different process and sure enough it increased dramatically and they continue to use that process to this day and so when answering a specific i'm not sure there is a specific but what we should learn from that study is that you are going to be judged differently we can't walk around with the screen and our shoes off and so on we uh walk around as who we are and you should be very consciously aware that you're going to be judged in a in a way that is going to be harder So you're going to have to prove yourself differently than you would for your male colleagues, even down to little things like their shoes instantly change the panel's mindset to think differently about them. So if you go into the scenario knowing that and and armed and ready, you can face those challenges uh, with more clarity. I love that you referenced a study. I think that sounds really interesting in that technique that they utilized as well. Isn't it? Isn't it? And it's almost like there's two learnings that one of we should be changing our, our, our HR processes and how we hire, which is what we try to do here at Bell Excel. But two, that for women, you just have to know it just is that you're going to be judged differently. And speaking of being judged differently and being in the space, 
as a CEO and as a leader, how do you foster inclusive, inclusivity and supportive environments for women and minorities within your organization? I love that you asked this question because we put a lot of uh, deliberate intent around it. And one of the best ways to do that is to actually just talk about it. You know, we at some of our all company meetings discuss inclusivity. We define that by saying that it isn't me who defines what makes you feel inclusive. You define how much of yourself you want to bring to the table. Our job is to make sure you feel uh, safe and comfortable doing so. But actually allowing the conversation can really change your culture and your environment and allowing some, um, you know, space for people to express their their views of of the world and allowing a seat at the table can really make a difference. So for us, when we say we have an open door policy, it's almost like this cliche, but we really mean it. And you know, so I meet with each person before they start working here, during when they work here, so that we really start setting that stage of there is no hierarchical uh, uh, stop point that you can actually meet with anyone, you can bring yourself to the table and you can express your views fully. And we've gotten some of our best ideas, you know, using that kind of approach. And the more diverse you are, the more likely it is that you're gonna be able to meet the needs of those that you're trying to serve. Yeah, I think that is great, especially hearing that from the CEO and also having that representation can be really helpful. Um, so as this podcast, as you know, it's aimed towards women in STEM and we have a lot of young women who are listening. Uh, I was wondering if you have any experiences that you could share relating to um, young women, like how you started off your career and how you've managed to get to the point where you are now. So I actually started out as a special education teacher. And what I would say to young women is that one, you don't have just because you begin one place. And even though that's, you know, can be a phenomenal career choice, if you if you actually want to choose to do something different, you have every right to do so and can change your trajectory at any point. I didn't move into the STEM space until I was 40. You, know, you can uh, make career navigations and take your ideas and educate yourself differently to change your pathways. Uh, you just have to have the ability to find it within yourself. And I think it's harder for women at times because it's a, uh, the narrative out there. It pushes us differently, but you have to find it within yourself to make those choices and to move yourself forward uh, and not be afraid to take those risks. And then again, just like in that first example of a study, you also have to be very aware of the bias that you may face. And this goes for people of color as well. And then especially hard for women of color. So you have to be armed and ready with uh, an understanding of those biases so that you can navigate through them. And through navigating through those challenges, it oftentimes can be quite useful to have a mentor or um, a peer that you can relate to. Do you have any advice on how somebody can go about um, obtaining their first mentor or somebody to help them through their journey? Absolutely. First off, you have to understand that you do need that. It is okay to say that you need help. You know, sometimes, especially for women, that can be seen as helplessness. So you have to make sure that it that when you're asking for help, it doesn't come across that way, but you cannot do it alone. So look around, use every network or uh, you know, possible possibility that you have, which may mean you look in different directions. So some of my greatest mentors that I work with right now are actually people who both are my partners, but they do actually report into me, my chief operating officer and my chief strategy officer. Um, they both have had more experience in this industry than I have, and I have learned an enormous amount from them. 
Yeah, I can check myself up against them. Is this the right strategy? Teach me more about this particular topic. I need to learn more. Give me ideas on how I can navigate this particular, you know, human resource issue or leadership challenge. It doesn't necessarily always have to be uh, from someone who has been in the position or someone who, you know, is in a different organization. You can find it in every direction. And one of my greatest mentors is actually, of course, my mother, who, uh, you know, brought herself up uh, through a career herself, paid for herself through college, you know, and ended up becoming a principal when she started out in a very different position, you know, as a cafeteria worker. And so you can find it everywhere, look everywhere, and don't be afraid to ask. I think that that's great that you're able to find a mentor in your mom. I think that's definitely a great Wonderful. experience. And I know, I remember that you just said how you made the shift in your 40s, which I think is really impressive. And how did you go about making that shift? Were there any type of specific programs or specific research that you did to help you make that shift? Or was it like quite easy? It is not easy uh, <laughs> at all and has to be very intentional of, you know, it, it was basically stemming from an idea um, that we needed to be doing something different in our industry because we weren't transferring the knowledge that we had, which is really all the evidence on how to really change um, uh, out of school time programs, summer camps, you know, sleepaway camps, um, after school programs, academic camps, et cetera in that space to be a much higher quality and evidence base. And, you know, we were doing this brick and mortar kind of approach and it wasn't effective. We couldn't scale fast enough. And so wanted to move towards technology to drive that solution, but had zero um, experience. So again, turn towards others who, who actually has the experience, who can help me. And then how do I educate myself on this? You know, so taking uh, classes, you know, learning about, you know, some basics of engineering. I'm not going to pretend I am an engineer, but I needed to know enough, needed to know enough about the business side, needed to know enough about, you know, how you can make this, this transition. And then you have to be okay with feel, facing a lot of failure at the beginning because you will. Yeah, that's actually where you learn to grow the most is through that failure. And so at the beginning made a lot of mistakes and, and each one though, the only failure in my mind is when you choose not to learn. Is to take each failure, say, what did I do wrong? Improve, 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 and you will get there. I think that you being like a female leader in such a male-dominated space, how do you make sure to reaffirm like gaining respect and recognition for your ideas? And how would you recommend others go about that? You know, it's it's really tough sometimes as a female leader because I you've seen um there's a lot of research. There's this book called The Beauty Bias, which is really interesting about the the uh, trap that women can be in. As you can tell, I'm a big research wonk, so <laughs> I'll, I'll bring those up. But it's an interesting one talking about how women are in this endless trap of of being uh, not being able to be too kind, too smiley, not being too harsh to anything because you, if you are, you're seen as, you know, this really um, negative person or you won't be taken seriously if you're seen as too too kind, you know. So you have to know that but you can't shy away from either end of those pieces. And so when you're in those spaces, you have to speak up. You have to take recognition for your own ideas, even when it may require you to interrupt, even when it may require you to push back, you have to be bold enough to do so. Yeah, definitely. And I would say like personally, um, what you mentioned to me actually reminds me a lot about coaching that I've done. And that can be really impactful in your career to have somebody helping you, coaching you through those blockages that you feel like you have to help you overcome them. Absolutely. 
you know, there's another study, sorry to keep bringing these studies, but it was on athletes that I also find really interesting for the workspace. And, and um, they, they did a, you know, an AB test and they had some athletes, um, these are Olympic level athletes, do a mindset and said, tell yourself, I am really good. I got this. I'm talented. And another one that said, pay attention to the technical, you know, put your hands here, hold the bat this way. You've got to start with your leg here on the sprint. And those people, the people who just did the, I am awesome kind of narrative did significantly better than those that paid to the, paid attention to the technical. So I would say that, you know, also when you're doing that, that tape in your head, pay attention to how it is making you feel more than the tactical um, aspects of it. Yeah. And with regards to being a woman in this industry, how best can we utilize our allies and how can we um, make sure that we are utilizing them to our efficiency as well as embracing them to help us with our journey because I'm sure with your journey you've probably had a lot of allies that have helped you along the way um I have and that's kind of goes to that mentor thing you have to look differently a little bit you know at times there isn't a lot of of uh women in the sector that is the truth right and so uh when you find some other female leaders or what no matter what position you are in this in this industry you know really work hard to create a collective uh, um, synergy so that you can have a, a safe space to go and a safe space to talk about some issues that you may not be able to talk about in other spaces. But the real change actually has to come from our male colleagues, especially our male leaders. The entire space isn't going to change until we have a collective mindset shift there. You know, so really working with our male colleagues to try to bring forward with them that there is some innate bias that, that they may be bringing to the table, the more aware they become, the more open that, that that leadership spaces will become available for women and look for mentorship there too, though. You know, some of my greatest mentors have actually been some of my male colleagues who have uh, believed in me, who have been able to understand some of those biases, who will work hard with me to try to navigate through them. Um, so look everywhere. And again, though, you need your, you need, you need your group of girlfriends too, though. So that you can have that that space yeah i think that's definitely great advice um as a leader who's had a significant impact what are changes or improvement that you hope to see in the women in stem leadership in the upcoming future it's gonna start early you know so i'm really loving all of these programs for young um young uh, girls and young uh, women that are really pushing them into the stem spaces you know, we have to create exposure at a really young age to then change what are we majoring in college? What is our trajectory? But then the other piece too is really working with uh, young women to understand that you can make, again, like I said, I made a shift much later in life. You can continue to, to uh, see your ideas and your versions of yourself can change throughout time. And so it is actually okay to embrace those pieces and, uh, you know, and make those strategic choices in your life to change your trajectory. It can happen at any time. Um, and then again, like I said before, we need to have an industry collective shift, kind of like that orchestra thing, right? That same principle applies in this space where I have no evidences, but I would gather that when you go into an interview, you know, there is some innate bias because it is largely a male dominated field. So how do we ensure that we are looking at the process to bring women in 
uh, to make sure that they're getting a fair shake when they are interviewing and a fair shake when they're actually in the in the position itself. Personally, with your um, organization, um, how are you looking to progress in 2024? Because I know we're right now at the beginning of January. So <laughs> I'd love to know like what plans you have in store. Yeah, so we right now are looking at our, you know, our, our uh, roadmap for what features we're going to be developing next. And we brought in a really wonderful person to lead, um, you know, our, our product to then define that roadmap and understanding what is it that our customers need and making sure that we're understanding that it is, we're being responsive to what their needs are versus what our assumptions are. You know, so really um, seeing that roadmap come to life is going to be really exciting, you know, adding into our, our sales team to make sure that, you know, we're still, you know, small in the grand scheme of, uh, companies and we're really only in our third year of technology being a part of who we are. And so seeing an ability to scale this year dramatically, adding in more salespeople, adding in more marketing um, and <clears throat> working on um, you know, putting ourselves out there kind of like this, you know, the, through podcasts and other other pieces to really let the people uh, industry and in the collective space know that we exist, that we're out there and that we're doing a pretty phenomenal job. Yeah, that's great. And I love what you have going on. I've seen your website and everything on it and it looks great. And I was wondering if you could just shout out like where people can find you, how people can find out more information as well. So they can go to arly.com. That's our, our software side, or they can go to bellexcel.org, which is our umbrella, you know, in essence, parent company, which is actually, most people don't know, is actually a nonprofit. Uh, so it also puts us in a very different you know, category. We are very mission oriented. Uh, and at the end of the day, what we're really here for is to change the lives of the children who are a part of our customers programs by making them better, giving them better opportunities so that they can excel and hopefully create a better uh, path. Do you have any last words of encouragement or advice that you would like to give to anybody listening? I would say, you know, to, uh, all the young women who are interested in STEM and those that may not be interested in STEM yet, but could end up being in STEM uh, is dig into yourself. You know, when you want to really look into how it is you're going to lead, the majority, there are plenty of great leadership books, don't get me wrong, and they have powerful narratives and messages that you can learn from, but they are largely built and based on male leadership, which isn't the same as female leadership. And so sometimes when we read them, it's asking us to be a little bit different than who we are. And what I would say, what I have learned is that you need to be who you are and that's going to make you the best leader that you can be. Dig deeper into yourself, find your passion, pair that with strategy and then take it and nothing's gonna be able to hold you back. Those are powerful words of advice and I love that. I think, yeah, we have so many tools out there and so it can be overwhelming, but I loved how clear and concise your advice was. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode with me, your host, Kelly. I hope you've came away from this episode feeling inspired and gained so much more knowledge about women in STEM. Don't forget to check out all my other podcast episodes as they also have a wealth of knowledge on different topics. Please make sure to check out the description link for my social medias at Kelly underscore engineer on Instagram, as well as there will be links 
for other podcasts as well as links to the podcast guests information. Thanks for listening.